0: Hello, and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another lovely day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Sam Dyer, owner and business development manager of Dyer and Company. Sam, hello. Hi there. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We might as well dive straight in What does the word "leader" mean to you
1: that 's a quite an interesting question um, I guess it's somebody who who 's got a vision and direction and sort of leads people in a certain to a certain destination so that could be the owner of a business or it could be um I suppose, the leader or the the person moving forward a team, like a captain of a football team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess it's somebody, from my perspective, it's somebody who's got a vision and they've got people who are following them towards that vision.
0: Now, you lead a, uh, an emerging business, as it were. Uh, you founded uh, Dyer & Co. Um, with uh, another partner. Now, tell me, how has it been uh, expanding the business uh, while still taking such a uh, large hand in its running?
1: Um, difficult, challenging. Um, I think, I, I suppose this is, a, again, a leadership quality since we're talking about leadership mm. is... And also realizing that I don't possess all of the skills required to get where we need to get to. So my, my business partner is probably the silent face of the business who's keeping things running behind the scenes. I'm the one who's plastered all over social media, recording videos. And I guess in some respects, you could say I'm a leader. Um, but we've got some very good skills and personalities within the business that um, when we combine them together, we're able to get to where we need to get to. Um, so,
0: Now, with those uh, personalities within the business, do you develop them or do you specifically recruit people who fit the mold of Dyer & Company?
1: We've done a bit of both. Um, so we've had people who've come in who, who are trained and qualified So in, in Scotland. And so property management is the sector that we, we primarily operate in. Um, in Scotland, you need to be on a, a register, a letting agent register, what the business does, and there's a specific qualification that you have to do to get onto that register. There's no such uh, requirement in England and Wales at the moment, um, so some listeners might not be too familiar with the Scottish system. So we've got members of staff who have come in who have already got the qualification, Um the staff that do not have the qualification, we're always encouraging them to, to take it. Um, and there really is a real mix, but people that come in without the skills, very often we've got a couple of younger members of staff who they are kind of um, like a blank canvas ready to learn and ready to build their career. But I think a good mix is very, very healthy.
0: Now, let's go back to a point in time when you were that blank canvas and ready to learn. When you first started out in the industry, was there a specific individual that you either worked for or with who has formed the way you are today?
1: I would say, yeah, a number of people, but there's a couple of names spring straight to mind. Um, I've not always worked in this industry. I was in the oil and gas industry for a short period um, after my university career. Um, But when I jumped into the sort of real estate sector, Um, there was, there was actually a mortgage broker that I worked with, but we, I suppose we worked sort of in collaboration more than anything, different businesses, but he, he was a lot older than me and kind of sort of, I I guess by accident, I sort of fell under his wing. And so he was teaching me more about the business side of things as opposed to directly how to do property management, if that makes sense.
0: And do you uh, still maintain contact with this individual?
1: Yep, we're still doing business to this day. Um, and his business has also grown, um, which has been quite, quite good as well. So have grown simultaneously.
0: It's fantastic to hear that. And it's wonderful to hear these success stories coming out at a time uh, that seems quite uncertain for some businesses uh, in the market. Um, why don't we look at the, the wider uh, scope of society and history? If you had to choose objectively the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that's a difficult question. It always um, is. <laughs> the greatest leader. I think different personalities have been famous for bit different things and leading in different situations. So, I mean, one of the ones that springs to mind who's very controversial is Winston Churchill. And, you know, he was obviously very effective during the Second World War. And then after the war, he wasn't so effective. And so he's often, they often say he was great at wartime leader but not very really good during the peacetime um, so I'm not saying that's the one I'm picking but um, <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to rebound and say look I, I really don't know uh, I'm not sure where it begins um, but well, I Churchill's, suppose, Churchill's that... leadership
0: style of being able to bring all sides together during the war uh, obviously uh, does translate into business in the team building sense. You are right, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the war, uh, when he lost the uh, the nineteen forty five election. Uh, being unable to continue his stride through did hamper his uh, second administration. Um, I think we would have been looking at a very different history had Churchill uh, stayed in power uh, directly following the war because he would still be in his stride as it were. Um, Are there any lessons from Churchill's uh, premiership that you use on a day to day basis?
1: Um, I don't know so much about Churchill, but certainly we draw things from other people and other leaders, um without naming anything specific. Um one of the, one of the things I think's quite common in my industry is people can be quite closed doors. So what I'm talking about, you're letting agents and property managers it's I suppose it's similar in many industries. are very, very closed doors and don't want to let away too much information because of fear of the competition. But I've always taken an approach, as as my business partner, to be a bit more open and to try and collaborate with other companies. And it can be very, very difficult to do that. And I guess it's similar, like you said, Churchill bringing together all the different political parties during the war, despite their differences, to get a common goal. So even in business, although particularly in the private sector where you know, we, we, could, we could say we're in competition, there's still many ways that you can you can find ways to benefit one another. Even if, say, there's a crossover in terms of the business you do and you're competing for the same work, there's other areas where you can
0: complement each other, if that makes sense. Now, you are expanding quite rapidly at the moment. What are the challenges in that process?
1: Um, staff has been a challenge. Um, Trying to get the right faces to fit, um, the right skills in, and also staff are expensive. Um, so that's always been a challenge. And the other thing is, obviously, like the property management business, we're we're, we're growing by bringing in new business, but it's just part of business that business will drop off. Um, you know, we're dealing with with people who own uh, real estate, so people can sell. Um, you know, that that's one of the common reasons you lose business. Um, and so that's been a challenge in itself. Um, we set a budget annually and um, the projected income and then how we're going to achieve that and also the projected expenditure. So obviously you can, you can meet your targets for the projected new business, but if stuff drops off off the back end, then you know it's kind of hampering your growth um, because we're very much, our business is growing by we're basically growing our portfolio of clients. It's not a business where, you do a job, it's done, and you're looking for the next one. So you know, we've got portfolio of clients who, you know, producing us income recurring every month. And so that's how we're growing. So yeah, they're the two challenges. I get the two biggest challenges that come to mind is staffing, and you know the fact that you know keeping the business coming in and stopping the existing business dropping off.
0: Now, unfortunately, a challenge that we're facing at the moment uh, is that we're running quite close to time. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Dyer and Company?
1: More growth, I hope. Um, (laughs) So we're we're a bit unique as a property management company in that we've got a buying department. um, People come to us for advice um, on what to buy. Um, And so that section of the business as a a percentage of our overall stock used to be a lot lower but it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and we're doing more and more of that Um, so for the next 12 months um, it'd be great to see that side of the business keep growing, keep keep flourishing Um, and I'm feeling quite positive actually about
0: 2020 Well Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you and we have to have you uh, in uh, the studio again to discuss uh, how 2020 has fared for you Uh, Sam, thank you
1: and thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. That was Sam Dyer, owner and business development manager of Dyer and Company. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst.
2: Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today.
3: Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. they were people that else didn't think wanted to be part of a group um so that that's that's for me in terms of my personal view i think that it looked prior to the um world cup that i was going to be playing um in it only a few games before i was i was playing and i played with the immigr in the game against yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if i was going to be
2: You, but, you don't but, have to, but I will.
3: Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you—you you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches people must realise that uh, that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. I think they, uh, wrongly, yeah, well, the, the answer, is straightforward the answer, is yes. Um, That's a good they,
2: answer.
3: <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh,
2: yeah. and with, um, and I know, uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but, um, I'm conscious of the, um, time. Um, looking, um, back.
3: Hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwind- yes. dwindling numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after sixty six. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, the. Mm. Um, uh,